singing the second song, Rooftops, uh, the Lord really began, uh, really began to minister to my heart, and uh, then Mel started singing about how much he loved us and stuff like that. You know, if you, I'll just be me, if I let my mind get in the way, it's really easy to do something instead of just being sensitive to what he's saying to do. Does that make sense? It's real easy to do a thing. It's sometimes easier to do a thing than it is to do what he's saying because sometimes what he says just looks uh, too simple. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it does to me. uh, That many times as the Lord begins to just really minister to me, I look at the simplicity of it and uh, I go, Lord, is that just me? And uh, so as Mel was singing, and I don't even know what we were singing. We were just sing, singing about his love and how much he loves us and stuff like that. And what's so cool yesterday and, and this morning as I was spending time with the Lord, the thing that he just kept talking to me about is how much he loves us. And, uh, you know, the Lord just had me search the word loved, L-O-V-E-D. And, you know, the one that's so familiar with all of us is John three sixteen. For God so loved, what? the world, that he did what? That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved. Man, that that in itself is profound, so simple that it's profound. When we think about the love of God, that he was willing to give what was most precious to him, to those who by decision had rejected him. Right? I mean, that's who he is. That's the love that he has. And, and in that, the uh, passage of Scripture that's, that's just very familiar that I, I meditate on quite a bit is uh, 1 John 4. 1 John 4, uh, verse 10 says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, or the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, no one, verse 12, has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. All right, I think there's some things here that the Lord wants us to see in this passage of Scripture about His love. One, this is... Um, wow. Trying to slow down. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. That's so profound. Because the enemy would have us base our ability to approach God on how well we love Him. Does that make sense? The enemy would have us approach God or feel comfortable or worthy of approaching God based on how well we've loved him, not on how deeply he loves us. You see, that's so important because there are times that we may, we may do something and not feel worthy of his love, and so what that'll do is it'll cause us to stay away instead of run to him. And not just him, but others. When we feel that our love is based on our performance, then when we feel that we haven't performed up to par, 
will stay away. I see it in relationships. I see it in church uh, 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 attendance or church gathering that, you know, if you feel that there's condemnation, you're not going to go. But if we understand His love and how much He loves us, He said, in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the payment for our sins. Look, verse 11, Beloved, if God had, don't you just, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. How does he start verse 11? Beloved, friends, those who are loved by God. He, that's the way he referred to them. He said, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Then when he refers to them, he says, you're the beloved. Ephesians 1, I think verse 6 says that I'm accepted in the Beloved, that my acceptance comes from the beloved. So that it's not me loving him, it's him loving me. And I want you to understand this, because as I was looking at this, the Lord was telling me that I give you opportunities to grow in love. I give you opportunities to grow in love so I can be seen in the earth. I'm going to show it to you through scriptures, but... He said that, I I give you opportunities to grow in love so that I can be seen in the earth. As we grow in his love, in the maturity of his love, knowing that we're loved, then we'll have something. Here's, you can't give what you don't have. I've, I've told this joke before, and it's a little silly, but it's all good. The two farmers walking down the road, and they're talking, you know, and the one farmer looks at the other. He said, you know what? If I had... Three, three cows. If I had two cows, I'd give you one. He said, you would? He said, yeah. He said, if I had two horses, I'd give you one. He said, you would? He said, yeah, I would. He said, what if you had two pigs? He said, you know I have two pigs. <laughs> he was willing to give away. You know, I heard this like the preacher before come off from time. He said, what I want you to do is reach in your neighbor's wallet and give like you've always wanted to. You know what I'm saying? If we have a mindset that we're give that what we, see, here's a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset says, if I give, I'll do without. That's in any area. That's not just finances. That's love. If I give out, but I don't get it back, then I'm going to be in deficit. And he said, what I want you to understand, I love you so much, you can never outgive me in love. So it's not just a reciprocal love that I give to him and he gives back. What he's saying is this, by you loving one another, the world will know that I'm the Messiah. So what he's saying is this, as you'll receive my love, then when you give it out, even if it's not given back to you, then you're going to have more to give because your love is not coming this way, your love is coming this way. So that that changes everything because if we have a mindset that I give love this way so that I can receive love this way, what happens over time, if we give love this way and we don't receive it in the amount that we give it, then we get discouraged. And so what we want to do is withhold love because I feel if I give it away and it's not given back, then I'm going to have to do without. Are you hearing me? Is it making sense to anybody but me? 
And he said this, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, propiti- the payment for our sins. Beloved. You know, I was, I, I think I shared this, I can't remember. I think I shared this here, but uh, when it says that we're accepted in him, right? Ephesians 1 says, I'm accepted in the beloved. So who is the beloved? Jesus, right? Yeah, that's right. Because this is what God said when Jesus was baptized. He said, this is my beloved son. And what did he say next? I did share it here. And whom I am well pleased. Come on. That's good. So we're in the beloved, right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Right? I just want to make sure that we have the foundation. He said this, to the praise of the glory of his grace. <laughs> the glory, the majesty, the manifested, <clears throat> and glory is that. Glory is a multifaceted word. It means, it means honor, it means majesty, it means manifestation means presentation. So when we talk about the glory of the Lord, it's not just how magnificent he is, it's how he manifests. Are you with me? So he said that his glory is seen in the earth. It means his, his, mani- his presence is manifested. And he said here, to the praise of the glory of the manifestation of his grace. What is the manifestation of his grace? That we're accepted in the beloved. It's this beloved that when Jesus was baptized, he came up and the Father spoke from heaven. And he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So let's put it together. If I'm accepted in the beloved from the Father and that the beloved is well pleasing to the Father, where do I stand? Not based on my merit but based on my position as a son. Are you with me? The result of that, in knowing that really, and having it settled in my heart, not just my head, and that's something, man, have you ever been to the place where the Lord will just confuse your head? And you go, no, he doesn't. He doesn't give a spirit of confusion. I didn't say he would confuse you. I'm saying that, that he'll reveal something in your heart that you can't wrap your head around. You're going you're gonna to have to believe that to track with me today. <laughs> Just giving a, a little addendum to it to let you know if you're going to... Because listen to this. Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. Who's he talking to? The rich young ruler. It doesn't say that Jesus saw that he loved his money. That's not what it said. Right? Track with me. Stay with me. Because I want you to understand, when God loves us so much, he will give us opportunities to stretch outside of ourselves. He said he looked at this rich young ruler and he loved him. He could care less about his money. He loved him, and because he loved him, he recognized there was something that had him. Are you with me? Stay with me. Is it too warm in here? I'll cut the air on. 
I'll feel good. <laughs> no, not too warm. Okay. Because he loved him, because of his compassion for him. I heard Chris Walton say this. Every time Jesus was moved with compassion, he moved. He didn't just say, oh, man, that's bad. He did something when he was moved with compassion. So Jesus, in love, looks at this man. And this man, he came. And what did he do? What was his position when he approached Jesus? It was everything that he had done. All these things I've done from my youth up. And Jesus said, okay. Because here's what I believe. This is, this is what I want you to understand. Because of God's great love for us, I believe he loves us so much that he'll, he'll shake us out of self-deception. Because this man was deceived by himself that he had done everything he needed to do. And you know what? Self-deception is the hardest kind. You can be people-deceived. You can be devil-deceived. But when you're self-deceived, it takes God to, to open your eyes. It takes God to open your eyes. When it's people-deceived, someone can come and help you. Even when it's devil-deceived, you can get in the Word, and the Word can help you. And that's the only hope that we have when we're self-deceived. We have to come in alignment, in alignment with truth. And then when we come in, in contact with truth, we have to make a decision. What am I going to receive? What am I going to believe? What I see or truth? Are you with me? And he loves us so much that he brings us into those encounters. Because as I was looking at this word love, he said this. He, that he looking at him, loved him, and said to him, there's one thing you lack. Go sell. Now, see, here's what's so cool about Jesus. He said there's not anybody who's getting houses, lands, or any of that will not in this lifetime receive a hundredfold. In this lifetime. So was Jesus wanting the man to be poor? No, that's what, that's what fundamentalism has said. Yeah, it's because money is evil. No, it doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of evil. It doesn't say the, that money is evil. It takes money. Every one of us have to have money. He didn't say money was evil. He said the love of money was evil. So here Jesus wasn't saying that money was evil. What he was saying is this, that you're, you're uh, misplaced on what your security is in. Can I give you another one that just stretched me? About Jesus loving us and because he loves us so much. Listen to this one. John chapter 11. This is good. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his hair with her feet, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And that's just, that story wrecks me. Therefore the sisters sent to him, speaking of Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you what? Love is sick. When Jesus heard, uh, heard that, that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What's the next verse say? Verse 5. Now Jesus did what? Jesus loved who? Martha and her sister, who is Mary, and 
Lazarus. So what is the foundation of this, this uh, it's not a story, it's, it's of this truth. Love. Love is the foundation of this. He said, I love it. He says, uh, even in verse 3, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Why do you think they, they packaged it that way? You know why? Because I think they saw him operate in love. That everything they knew about him was love. So what they were saying is, we're going to appeal. We're not trying to manipulate, but we're going to appeal to who he is. And what does First John say? God is love. We're going to appeal to who he is. It's the one that you love. But what shook me was verse 5. What shook me is verse 5, because 6 is next. <laughs> now, when, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, so. So means this, because of that. When he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. <laughs> Jesus, that making no sense. That making no sense to my mind. Because he loved them, he stayed two more days. Now let me ask you a question. Did Jesus make Lazarus sick? No. Did God make Lazarus sick? No. Well, he said it was going to be for his glory. It doesn't mean he caused it. He'll still get glory from it. Are you tracking with me? He said because he loved them, he stayed two more days. And I'm like, Jesus, being honest, don't want that love. <laughs> I want the love right now, Jesus. When you show up right now, there's a need. I pray you show up, and I'm happy, 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 happy. Because, Lord, it's all about me. Because <laughs> it's all about me. Because it's inconvenience when you wait two more days. But what was Jesus doing? He was giving them an invitation to know who he is. That he wasn't just healer. That what seems ultimate to man, death, that he had victory over. <laughs> Come on. Man. Because he loved them. Because he loved them, he stayed two more days. Because he understood. I mean, did, did he know? Did he have an understanding that, that uh, Mary loved him? In the context of the story, what does it say about Mary? This is the one who took an expensive uh, fragrance and poured it over him and wiped, it with, wiped his hair with her feet. you got to understand. In that, and I know I've shared this before, but in that, she was giving all of her glory to him. Did I say something wrong? Everybody, huh? Okay, his, his feet with her hair. Is that right? Mel, you had to take that out. Everybody started grinning. I'm like, I must have said it backwards or something. Tina just looked at me and everybody else was laughing. She's like, if, he'll just, if I just be quiet, he'll keep going. That's love. She didn't want to bring any accusation against me. She just loved me. But she, in doing that, she gave all her glory to him. Because in that culture, 
It was a disgrace to let her hair down in the presence of men who weren't her husband. Because it said that her hair was her glory and that she wasn't supposed to let her, her glory down in front of anyone but to whom she was betrothed. It wasn't. And I'm convinced that Jesus wasn't enamored with the expense of the fragrance. It was the abandonment, abandonment of the worship. That she said, Jesus, I give all of my glory to you. I give all my glory to you. So we can say that she had an understanding of love for the Lord. I wouldn't say that she's a shallow believer. Are you with me? That's not who she was. You've got to understand this. She wasn't a shallow believer, just one of those that shows up when it's convenient kind of people, right? She was one who, who lavishly poured her love out. What about her sister Mary? Mary understood it. She was willing to serve when no one else was wanting to help, right? I mean, she went to, she went to Jesus. She was a little twisted in her understanding because she, she accused Jesus of not caring and her sister of not caring. It's good, it's right. She said, Lord, don't you care that my Mary has left me alone to do all this work? And what did he respond? He didn't rebuke her. He just said, Mary's chosen the right thing to sit at my feet. So, so they had an understanding of his love. But what he's saying is there's always an opportunity to go deeper. There's always not. See, Jesus didn't cause this situation so they could learn how to love. But Jesus said, in the midst of this situation that looks like the enemy has won, I'm going to teach them just another level of how deep my love is. So I'm going to stay here two more days. (laughs) Because when Jesus shows up, they said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He said, that's okay. I'm the resurrection. (laughs) Come on. He was taking her into a new dominion, a new uh, 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 place, a grid. Dimension, thank you. With dominion of love. That he wanted her to understand. That not just can I handle things in, the, in, in this life, but I can handle when it looks like the end has come. Because I have resurrection life. He was saying, Mary, I want you to live from a new place. Not just my life, but from my resurrection that conquered death. Man, that's good. That's love. That's deep love. You know, (laughs) we see that even in our kids. We don't do things to hurt our kids. We tell our kids, don't do this. This is the result when you do this. But when they choose to do something that they shouldn't do, then what we have the opportunity to say is, look, you had a decision. Here's the decision you made, and here's what it did to you. I didn't want you to make that decision because I love you. But now what I'm going to do is love you through the decision. 
I'm not going to not love you because you made the wrong one. What I want you to understand, the pain that you feel if it's to touch something they weren't supposed to touch, I told you not to touch it because I loved you, but you touched it anyway. Now I want you to know that my love is greater than the pain. I didn't want it. You chose it, but I love you through it. Does that make sense? And that's his love for us. It's so deep. It's that love. As we begin to wrap our minds around, that, and, and really, you, you can't. <laughs> you can't. That's why Paul prayed like he did in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, is that he prayed because he knew that they, you, in our natural mind, we can't understand uh, that love. Um, In Ephesians 1, I'll just read this uh, briefly. Ephesians 1, Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And that word knowledge there is epignosis, and it means this, a precise and correct knowledge. It means full discernment. So what Paul was praying, he said, I'm praying that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Where is it? In the saints. <clears throat> it's in the saints. So where is the richness of his inheritance? It's in the saints. That's why the body is so important. That's why it's so important that we don't just know about the love of God, that we receive that love and we share that love. Amen. Why? Because the richness of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. What draws that out? It's his love. And allowing ourselves to live from that love. All right, listen to this. John. John 13, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you, saw, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. By what will all men know you're my disciples? So does that mean we just sit around and we have love feasts? Nope, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you take it out of context. What it says is this. God so loved the world that he gave his son. So Jesus so loved the world that he gave his life, that he lived his life here demonstrating what love looks like. And if we look at Jesus, who is love, it says that he went about teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. Right? So we can say the heart of the Father, Hebrews chapter 1. I know I'm giving you a lot, but I want us to, I want us to get this. I want us to get this. Hebrews 1 says Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He's the exact representation of the Father. So if we want the heart of the Father, then what we want is to see what Jesus did while he was here on the earth. And he went about teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. Jesus went about doing the works of the Father everywhere he went. With compassion, he was moved. He didn't just go, oh, man, that's bad. I hate they're in that situation. When he was moved with compassion, he moved. Out of love, he gave. Why? Because he began his ministry with this. This is, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before he ever did his first miracle, 
He started from the foundation of I'm the beloved of God. That was the foundation of all ministry for him as I'm loved. So what I, I have to give because I can't ever outgive how well, how much I'm loved. Are you with me? So from that position of love, as Jesus said this, that uh, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So he said the glory of the inheritance, of the inheritance is where? In saints. It's in the, it's us. The glory, the manifest presence of his inheritance is in us. That goes right along with Romans where it says creation itself is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. See, here's what I want you to understand. Here's here's what I'm excited about this morning. As we learn to love from him, as we love from him in here, then these walls can't hold that love. That by nature, you're so full. And see, that love comes, it only comes by trust. One, trusting him. Two, trusting one another. Is the way that love deepens. That's what he was bringing Mary and Martha into, was a deeper love of trust. I stayed two days so you can get deeper and more intimate in this trust-love relationship that we have. Because I want you to know, I just don't fix the, the things, the sickness. I, can, I have conquered death. I am resurrection. So there can be an area in your life that looks dead. Guess what? It's not beyond him. It's not beyond him. If we don't go trying to get him to do what he's already done, if we go saying, God, you've already provided in your son everything, and I receive that by love, and I thank you for your love. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, shall all, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. John 14, 21. This is, he said, he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. I hope this is so simple. You go, man, just move on. That's, it's love. Yeah, that's it. It's love. See, we don't have to sing long songs, long time. Now, please hear my heart. I am a worshiper. I live and love to worship. I'm not saying we're not going to worship. But what I am saying, Steve and I was talking just this week. As I grow in my love relationship with him, as much as I love worship, I don't have to have worship to get into his love. I get to have worship, but I don't have to have worship. Are you with me? Because of his love, he's given me the, the, the privilege of worship. But as I understand his love, I don't have to have that to get into his love. You know, I don't have to work myself into it. I don't have to be stirred up enough to get into it. Does that make sense? That doesn't discount worship at all. But what it says is I'm worshiping from a different perspective, from a deeper perspective. I'm not worshiping saying, Jesus, come give me what I don't have. When I'm, wor- I'm, when I'm worshiping, I'm saying, Jesus, I'm giving out what you've already given me. <laughs> and that's a huge difference. 
It's a huge difference. He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. There you go. You got to keep all the commandments. Nope. Hang tight. Put your seatbelt on. He who loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Man, that's so strong. Because what he's saying is this. There, and I said this the other week. I think it when Mark was here. I said it's so easy to go after what we would call the hand of God instead of the heart of God. But what God has been showing me is if you have my heart, you have my hand. And if, you, if it's all based on love, then you'll be just like Jesus. So Jesus was moved with compassion. When he loved, he moved. He didn't just sit and say, oh, I want more love, or God, I want you to do this, and when you do this, I'll do that, or God, I want signs, wonders, and miracles. He said, no, a fruit of a, the fruit of a heart that's connected to me, John 15, the fruit of that is that my life flows out. And everywhere Jesus went, he was teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. So what I'm saying is, we can't get in this mode of, I just want to receive more love. You know how you receive more love? You give more love. As I receive, I give. And that, you know what that looks like? It looks like whatever's needed at that moment. Because huh. I believe this. I believe there's some people who may be in a wheelchair, and may have a, a walking stick and all this, but what they need is that the physical is just a manifestation of what's going on inside. And if they understand, if they ever see Jesus... And receive his love. What are you talking about? So from you, that may, be, that may be, instead of just going after him and trying to get him healed, that may be you go to him and give him a word of love and affirmation, of encouragement, that Jesus knows where they are and that he loves them and that he has a plan for their life. When they receive that love, healing will come forth without us wrestling for it. See, that's the heart of the Father. It's not, but it doesn't mean I don't pray for the sick. We can get in the ditch. We can say, I just want to know about his love. His love always did something. There was always a manifestation, an outward display of his love. He loved Mary and Martha so much that he waited two days. <laughs> that makes absolutely no perfect good sense. <laughs> I said it that way on purpose. <laughs> because in our minds, if, if we love, then we do it right away. We do it right away. And here's what can happen. What we do is instead of developing people, we enable people. Hmm. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. What I'm saying is this. If we're not listening to his heart, to what he's saying, it's not that we don't bring relief. But when we always bring relief before we hear what he's saying, then what we cause is the, the person we bring relief to to look to us instead of him. And we can't do that. That's why Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say. It doesn't mean that we don't care, but sometimes you've got to care so much that you just sit back. And you go, I've got to wait on this one. That's hard. As a father, that's hard. When I see things in, in Brianna's life and I go, man, we could, we could meet that. But if we do, then we become her source. And we can't be her source. That's not easy. When you really love someone, that's not easy. I want you to understand. I don't think it was easy on Jesus to stay two more days. Why? Because the foundation of that whole uh, happening 
was this. He loved them. And because he loved them, he stayed. And Jesus said this. See, I want you to understand. As we make a choice to love in here, with, and see, this isn't about, Lord, bless what's inside these four no more. What this is about, as we really begin to receive of his love and share that love here, not to receive it back, but because he's told us, I've given you more love than you can give away. And we begin to do that. It, it, let's just see what the Bible says. All right, I'll end up in John 17, but I'm going to start in John 15. I'm not going to read all of it, okay? For those who are wondering, he's going to read John 15 straight through 17. John 15, 9. As the fathers love me, I also love you. Abide in my love. Wow. It's crucial right there. Abide in my love. As I... I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So what's he saying? If you abide in my love, your joy will be full, right? All right, verse 12. This is my commandment. So we've been talking about, he's been talking about my commandments. Keep my commandments, keep my commandments. And then he clarifies right here. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Then, so that there's no mistake, he clarifies what that love looks like. (laughs) Sometimes, don't you wish he didn't? He just left it up to your discretion. But here he did. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. So what did he say? I've given you a commandment. What's that commandment? Love. Love one another like I love you. Okay, Jesus, what's that look like? I laid down my life for you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Getting a little carried away. Getting a little fanatical. Jesus, really. To lay down my life. And that doesn't mean that you have to jump in front of a car for somebody. But what it means is this, that I'm willing to lay my will down, my wants down, my desires down for someone else. Not for the sake of self-abasement to put myself down, to be a massacre. It's not that purpose at all. The purpose that I'm willing to do that is so that His love can shine through me to reach them. See, He's not opposed to me having anything that I'm willing to let go of. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear what? He didn't say produce works. He said bear fruit. You know how you, you, you bear fruit? You stay connected. Because in this passage, in John 15, he says that the life is in the vine. And you're the branch. And as long as you, as long as you stay connected to the vine, what comes out of the branch? Life. His life, right? That's just good. Uh, 
you bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. He kind of put it in bookends. Do you see that? It started with love. It ended with love. How do we do this thing? It's in love. And what did he say inside of that? He said, when you understand love and you operate from love, when your motivation in life is love, not that you receive it, but that you're giving out what he's given you, he said, you'll come to the Father. I've already, he's already revealed all things to me. I've revealed those to you. And that, so when you come in love, what do you ask? I'll give you. It's not something we have to fight for when we're coming from love. John 17, and then I'll uh, start bringing it to a close. We may get done early, but no promises. We started a little early, so hopefully you're eating here with us, so you're all good. Your lunch is taken care of. No worries. John 17, 20. This is the Lord's prayer. This is Jesus' prayer for us. You know, we talk about our, Lord, our Father, which aren't in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. That was the Lord's model. He was giving them an outline of prayer. It wasn't his prayer. He was saying, here's how you can pray. But here's the Lord praying for us. This is Jesus praying for you and for me. Because he says, I do not pray for these alone. He had just prayed for his disciples who were there with him. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but, all, but for also for those who will believe in me through their word. So if you're a believer in him, into Jesus, then he's praying for you, right? Through their word, that, look at this, verse 21, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Look, look, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. He didn't say going to give, right? I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one or complete. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Let me break it down just a little bit. What's Jesus saying? Here's what he's saying. He said this, that those who believe in me, I want them to be one just like we're one. That there's nothing that comes between them, that they function as one. He says, that, and the purpose for that is that, I, that they may be one. You, Father, are in me and I in you. They also may be one in us. Why? What is the purpose of that? That the world may believe that you sent me. See, here's what... It's the love of Christ, Paul said, that constrains me. It's the love of Christ that compels me to go beyond myself and to do something that in my natural personality I wouldn't do because I'm not operating from me or my power. I'm operating from his love, and it's his love that's willing to step outside of what's comfortable to me. And he said this, when I'm willing to do that, when I'm willing to walk in that love, the world will know that he is Jesus. He is Messiah. He's Savior. Not just, hear me out, not just because of signs, wonders, and miracles, but because that we're walking as he walked, and as a, a fruit of that walk is signs, wonders, and miracles. Out of love. Because he said, if you do all these things and you don't have love, he said, you're just making a lot of noise. 
He's making a lot of noise. He said <clears throat> that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory, <clears throat> the manifest presence which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me. That they may be made complete in one. In where? In one. We're one body, many members. So what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. As we receive that love from him, and we're willing to give that love to others, we operate, we function as the body. Because there might be something that I have that I need to share. Or it may be something that, that Josh has that he needs to share. Or this Josh or Stephen that they need to share. And as they share, the, the body, the completeness of the body is manifested. That Stephanie needs to share. The completeness of the body. Us being one. That us being one didn't just sit around. Oh, we're one in him. We're one in him. We're one. No, that us being one means that when he puts something on my heart, I'm willing to step out and do it. Because love moves. It's not just, oh, come just give me some love. <clears throat> love says, I, am, I have to give. I have more than enough, so I'm willing to give. And from that position, the body grows. The body. But what happens with that is as we grow in that understanding, then it can't be contained in here. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is you come in full of his love. You share his love in here. Then as you go out, you don't have to go, oh, Lord, am I supposed to say something then? You're so, uh, you're so full, you just overflow on them. I used to say leak, but you don't leak because you're not broken. Papa John called me down on that. Papa John said, you don't leak, you're not broken. He said, you're right, Papa John. He said, you overflow. As we overflow, then the love and the life of God, it's in us. But see, that only comes from us understanding how much he loved us. That only comes from spending time with him to see his heart. That he loved them so much that he stayed two days. Because what he wanted in their relationship was to take them to a new place. So that dry spot that you're in, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's because he loves you so much. He don't want you to create a formula out of your relationship. Thank you for that one amen. Because he doesn't want you to, you know, I'm convinced that denominations were started. And we're not non-denominational because we're right. That's not it. So if you think I've got a, an axe to grind or a point to prove, you're wrong. That's not where I'm coming from. But denominations were started because of their belief that this is who God is to them. So they created a denomination around how they believe God interacts with man. So that's what started the denomination. They felt that God, they saw God move in a particular way among them. And they go, this is how God deals. So we want to stay right here. And we want to do it this way. And everybody who wants to do it like us will join to us. And then another denomination encounter God a different way. And they go, nope, this is the way God speaks to us. Are you tracking? So what happens is we have all these fractions of a body that's supposed to be one. That there's an understanding that the Methodists have that's dear to them. That's truth. But that truth has become a formula to many. Not to all. Please hear me. Whatever it is, 
to the charismatics many times. It's if we worship long enough, he'll show up. Well, he's not lost. <laughs> he'll eventually go, I think I hear them. They're over here. No, the privilege is that we get to worship. And the privilege is, you know, I, I, the Lord is teaching me. I'm so thankful that he's teaching me. And I've watched in my life where I have tried to manufacture something. And it didn't happen, and I was disappointed. And I go, Lord, why didn't it work? It worked one time or two times before like that. You know, it's amazing. He works that way. And my, I uh, try not to paint myself in a corner where you think anything differently than you should. (laughs) In my life personally, a lot of times God doesn't do things the same way twice. That makes sense. Because I, I remember, and I've talked about this a long time ago, when I first understood that there's more than just praying in the Spirit, there's a groan that Paul talks about. There's a groaning in the Spirit. I remember the first time I ever went over into... <laughs> some people just go, what the what? I'm out of here. Okay, I love you, so I'm saying all this in love. If you can receive love, you won't, you won't be upset. <laughs> uh, but the first time that I really understood what that was and went into that place with him, I had an open vision. I had an open vision. I was in Myrtle Beach with Mark Tweeney. I was in, and I saw someone here in Burlington. And on the way home from Myrtle Beach, I said, I called them. And I said, I just want, you know, last night I was praying. And uh, as I was praying, I saw you. And I didn't say I had an open vision. I didn't know what I had. I, you know what I'm saying? I just praying, and I see in my, as clear as if I'm looking at you right now, that's how clear it was. It wasn't a thought. It passed through my mind. I saw a person, and I saw them balled up on the floor crying out to the Lord. And I think I even told them what they had on. I said, here's what I saw. I was praying last night. I don't know if the Lord's saying, he wants you in that place. I was real careful. You know, I wasn't a thus saith the Lord. I wasn't saying, you're backslidden, and God's calling you back. Not what I said. Because that wasn't the situation. It could have been that. I could have said that and missed it. What I didn't do is give any more than what I knew. And I said, here's what I saw. And they said, what time? I said, about this time. And they, I think they said, what did I have on? I said, I think this is what they had. They said, at that time, I was at the church, balled up in the floor, praying for a missionary who was getting ready to go to Africa. In that position. I'm undone. I'm just like, are you serious? I had a vision, open vision. I mean, I saw. I wasn't asleep. It wasn't a dream. I'm like, geez, that's awesome. So when I got home, you know what I did? I went in my room. I'm going to groan some more. I'm going after God with everything I got. And I cried out to the Lord. I cried. I worshiped. And it was sweet. I didn't see anything. Nothing. I'm like, Jesus, it's broken. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not working. He said, no, Todd, I want you to know me. I don't want you to develop a formula or a plan of how you can get me to show up when you do this thing. 
because I'm there. I'm there and I love you. But I want you to see like I see. Because you may, you know, here's the deal. There may be a time the Lord wants to give me an open vision and I can't go get along by myself and, and get over into that place of praying in the Spirit and praying in, in groanings that can't be uttered. That I, I can't get to that place in time to give the word that I need to give. But if I think that's the only way I get it, then I think, well, I can't, man, I can't have an open vision until I get along. Does that make sense? So he's not wanting us to create formulas. He's not wanting us to get in one ditch over the other. Well, I just want to go after this this part of God. I just want to go after the heart of God. But I'm not going to do anything but go after the heart of God. I'm telling you, when you go after the heart of God, you're going to do something. You can't just lock yourself away in a prayer closet and do nothing. When you're going after his heart, when Jesus was moved, he moved. So when we get along with him and when we're moved by him, you know what we do? We move. We, we do something and we share. And it doesn't have to be this perfect. It doesn't have to be heralded from the housetops. Guess what I did? I heard from the Lord, and I obeyed. It doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. It just means that I felt this on the inside of me. I know what he sounds like. And it can come different ways. But because I know how he sounds, he comes from love. See, and here's what, here's what if, if I'm coming from that place, even like the rich young ruler, he needed correction. Right? But Jesus didn't tear him down about how his money was his God or anything like that. He said, because Jesus loved him, he said, there's just one thing, from love. Now, that, that guy, his attention, <clears throat> his source or his peace was in his money. So he was very unhappy with what was said. But because of Jesus' love, he was able to locate what was going on in that man. And from love, he spoke to him. Because Jesus loved Mary and Martha, he loved them so much, he said, I need to wait two days before I go. So they can really know who I am. Not just know an attribute, not just know an aspect of me that I heal. But that I'm resurrection. And see, I think that's where he wants us to live. I, he wants us to live from that resurrection life. Not... Not just that he paid for sin. He did that in his death. But he conquered death, hell, and the grave in the resurrection. And what he's saying is, I want you to live from my resurrection love. And as you live from my resurrection love, resurrection life will come out. That love that gave everything, knowing that he wouldn't be left empty. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's love. And that's what he wants us to live from, from that place of love that we're so full of him that the world will know that he sent us. I'll close with this passage right here. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, look, he might show. He might what? Show 
the, the, uh, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So the purpose, my heart in, in this is as a family, as I was preparing this, and the Lord was really speaking to my heart. He said that you, you only love deeper when you trust deeper. Yeah. You'll only love deeper. You can say, I love you, I love you, I love you, but the manifestation of that true love is deeper trust. That's with one another, and that's with him. And what he was drawing Mary and Martha in is into a deeper trust that, yes, I heal, but I'm the resurrection. It's not too late because I'm here. And wherever, he's, wherever he is, it's never too late. That's good news. That's very, very good news. And he's here. <laughs> Amen. He's here. So my heart is as a family that we love and we trust him enough to love others. And even if we don't receive what we think we should receive, that we don't shut ourselves down to his love because we know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm telling you, I've seen it in my life. I'm growing in it in my life as I'm willing to love beyond the love I receive. More of his love is poured in. And listen, when, when, as we walk in that place, that's when he begins to give you downloads about how you can love them deeper so that trust can develop. Who?